Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. You're listening to 3 Triple R. Bite Into It is the show. My name is Dan Morganti. Joining me tonight is Maze Wallen. Maze, how are you doing? I'm good. And your brother Frankie is in to do a review for... What's what's the game, Frankie? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Been playing too many games, have you? Yes. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I think it's Millmates. Are you doing Millmates? Mil yep. Yeah. yeah. How you doing, Frankie? You all good? Yes. Yes. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, welcome to Bite Into It. Tonight, for our monthly games episode, we will be reviewing, reviewing Mealmates by Magic Dweedu, uh, which won the Excellence in Audio Award at the recent Free Play Independent Games Festival, which we've been talking about quite a lot on uh, Bite Into It. Um, yeah. yeah. We love Free Play. Yeah, loved it. Uh, love all the games that have come out of it or you know were submitted to it. Mm. Um, it's been great. And then the second half of the show, we'll be interviewing Ian McClarty about his new just announced game first mars logistics uh before that we've got uh, a little bit of news what's uh here there's two big uh items to discuss in melbourne games or australian games i should say maze well this one is melbourne specific and it's a little bit of um home journalism um <laughs> yeah i think for me in the last week so both of ian mcclarty's mars first logistics and also um grace bruxner announced Frog Detective 3 by Worm Club. So I think that's pretty big for Melbourne. We've got these two um, creators who are indie darlings. Have yeah. you heard that term before? I have. I hear it a lot, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I actually missed out on uh, Frog Detective when it first came out, uh, but it did make quite the splash. Uh, do not excuse that pun. It was completely intentional. Um <laughs> But yeah, is uh, is now a good time to get on board with this? Uh, I'm Absolutely, of, yeah. like catch up with Frog Detective One and Two. They're yeah. both like maybe thirty minutes. Um, and actually, even Grace in her tweet um, where she announced it was like, you know, I want a TV show after this, which is very, <laughs> you know, that's the, that's manifesting from the universe. That's what that is. That is manifesting. Yeah, because so, someone someone's going to see that and go. Yeah, we, we like what you got. You're gonna we'll give you a, a radio show. Uh, sorry, a TV show. I think it'd be a great TV yeah. show. A little off topic, but that's how uh, you know the dog whisp- whisperer sees a Milan. Um, what got a uh, got a TV show? So he just was on a radio show, and some said, "What do you want to do now?" He's like, "I want a TV show." So someone just heard it and said, "All right, I'll give this guy a TV show." Well, that's it. Like people need to know that you want things. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't get them. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm just going around now saying I uh, want a new uh, graphics card just to. <laughs> My boss, people on the street, anyone who listen, really. But um, yeah, uh, enough of that. Now there's a, a new Switch is being released. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you own a Switch, Maze? I do. I'm Me all too. over the Switch. Me too. Frankie's uh, got a Switch as well. Frankie yes. running the Switch. Yeah. Nice. Uh, how many games you got on the Switch, Frankie? Twenty, maybe. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. How are you liking the screen on the the Switch? Are you finding anything wrong with it? No. Me either. That's uh, <laughs> interesting uh, that Nintendo would release uh, a new uh, Switch console, which has an OLED screen. Yeah. Um, 
and that's the biggest thing for it. It's uh, it's got a now a, a net, an Ethernet port as well. There's not that much internal that's changed about it, other than no. the LED sc- OLED screen, yeah. which is kind of weird considering the, the a few problems that the Switch has had, such as uh, controller drift and other that's things it, that they haven't right? really sorted out. Like the one thing that most people want is for the Joy-Con drift mm. to be sorted, but. I saw someone talking today, like, for Nintendo to fix that would also have to be, you know, for them to admit that that was actually wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. that they shipped a, a whole console that had, like, a built-in defect. Yeah. But mm. it seems like every console does. Remember uh, Xbox 360 with the Red Ring of Death? I think that had something to do with, like, heating up and some glue on the motherboard coming apart. That's or it. That was the glue thing. Yeah. So it's just like... I, n- I never buy a uh, console straight out the gate. I always wait for the second or third manufacturing run just for this reason. Mm. Um, that's pretty cynical, but it's uh, done me no wrong so far. So yeah, uh, just for reasons like this, like there's just nothing. Would you count this as like a second? Because this isn't the Switch Pro that people thought we were getting. This is the Switch OLED. Yeah. Um, so it's maybe like one and a half. Oh, I don't know. I, I more mean just like it's the same console, like same system. Mm. It's just the, they've manufactured, say, their first million units and then they oh, manufacture yeah. the second million units, but they realize yeah. that they did something wrong in the first run. Um, so you just wait a, a year or two and then yeah. you can get one that's uh, kind of remedied the issues that they may have had if that's the case. Yeah. Um, I saw someone on Etsy. Um, so you can send in your Joy-Cons to this person and they'll customise them with all cool bits yeah. and also fix the Joy-Con drift. Oh, really? Yeah. Is there like a um, an easy way to implement that or is it like a you have to open it up and... Um... Yeah, I think you do have to open it up and take the actual um, thumb bit off. Yeah. Yeah, and there's something in there that okay. you can change. Yeah. And then it'll eventually drift again. Yeah. So it needs to be fixed. Um, Yeah. What about some uh, not so lighthearted news from Nintendo? Yeah. So I was, when I put this news item on, um, Frankie was with me and I was like, is this this one a bit of a downer? But um, so also in Nintendo news, um, Nintendo's come out and denied the use of forced Uyghur labour in the affiliated factories in China. Um, they've had... It was actually an Australian um, organisation who said, oh, hang on, some of these factories are making Nintendo products. Yeah. Um, supported a little bit by... Uh, the US, so it was the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. So they're a think tank founded by the Australian government Um, and, you know, they look at a variety of products made in China and, and, you know, things that we import a lot. Um, and, And for the last decade, so China has faced accusations of targeting Uyghurs, which... You know, in Melbourne, we see a lot of protests around that. Mm-hmm. And other majority Muslim ethnic groups based in the Xinjiang region. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be able to correct you. Sounds right. I think from what I hear on the news, yeah. I think that sounds right. I only just um, learned how to pronounce Uyghur properly. Um, so, yeah, 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 no, it's spelled. Um, 
yeah, you yeah. need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so the factories that Nintendo uses are the same ones um, who are part of the supply chain for other companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft, you know, those sorts of large tech companies. Yeah. Um, so being caught up into those. Um, speaking to investors during a recent Q&A, Furukawa denied this report saying it had investigated the claims after they emerged and as far as we've been able to investigate, there's no record of reported factories among Nintendo's business partners. Um, in addition, they've not received any reports of forced labour within Nintendo's supply chain up to this point. So, you know. It's a bit sad, although not surprising considering the current state of global uh, technology manufacturing. Um, it's like a story we keep hearing over and over again. It's a... Uh, pretty disheartening um yeah and like how much can you trust information actually coming out of china about this like this kind of thing yeah, yeah specifically yeah absolutely so yeah um, yeah well we'll wait to hear more i, I assume um yeah so this is one that uh being more of an enthusiast mm-hmm. um i had not heard of lumberyard before but it's a mm. uh, amazon's uh lumberyard game engine um it's uh, now free um, open source, sorry, open source project. So uh, it's uh, under the newly organized 3D Foundation, Open 3D Foundation. It's been made open source under the Apache 2.0 license. Mm. Um, Amazon announced the move in concert with the other found- founding members of O3DE, which include Adobe, Huawei, Niantic, Nian- Nian- Niantic, yeah, yep. <laughs> and Red Hat among its 20 founding members. Um, so the move is being overseen by the Linux Foundation, who is acting in part to accelerate developer collaboration on 3D game and simulation technology. Yeah. Um, yeah, being more of an enthusiast uh, than a professional, I had, hadn't even heard of Lumberyard. Uh, have you had any experience with Lumberyard? Yeah, Lumberyard's been around for a little while. It hasn't quite gotten up to the standard of other open source engines like Godot. Um, but this announcement of it even going open source was posted in my work Slack straight away. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, um, you know, is this something that we would viably move to? And, you know, looking at the different features, especially around, they're talking mostly about 3D making and rendering and, um, texture editing and stuff like that. Yep. Um, is it something that we would try out? I think that, you know... Amazon has tried to throw a lot of money at indies. They've also tried to make a gaming platform that hasn't super worked out. So it kind of feels like maybe the latest thing, maybe they're trying to get some developers on board. But at the moment, the actual pipelines that the dev team are describing don't look that great, like (laughs) um, these 3D things. Yeah. That's... um, from my team, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, one thing that was common in all of our opinions was that Lumberyard is a better name than Godot. Oh, um, for sure. <laughs> and it make, makes a bit more sense. So. God, when you say Godot, I just rolled with it. I'm like, that. just through context, that's probably another um, game engine. Yeah, um, it's yeah. another open source game engine. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was a terrible name. <laughs> no, yeah, it doesn't make any what's, sense What's at all. the uh, 
the idea behind that, like you're, you're God, you're creating the game, is that... I don't know. Maybe you're like waiting a really long time for it to be updated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's open source, it would take ages. Do you, see, do you see this uh, being able to knock off uh, Unreal or Unity from the top spot? So not Unreal, but Unity, more and more people are complaining about Unity and how um, it's not catching up with Unreal or its focus is too large. So, you know, Unity is really great for a lot of different apps that don't include games. Um, While Unreal is quite game specific and even like the way the different terms for things are like, you know, this is the porn, this is the um, first person, you know, it's very like hard to make things that aren't games in Unreal. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's really... Lumberyard would be in competition to Unity. Okay. Um, a lot of people think it does have a chance. Yep. But not super soon. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's got to have more added to it through the open source and uh, yeah, collaboration. Yeah, kind of hard. I mean, they do have, you know, they have this open 3D team yep. at Amazon. Um I guess the other thing is just like trusting Amazon with with anything, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, trust and Amazon in the same sentence. Which, um, yeah, if you've uh, <laughs> been a fan of Bite into it in the past, you'll know that uh, we're we're kind of suspicious of these uh, big tab companies and their their motivations. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Triple R. So, Mealmates. Um, Frankie and I had the joy of reviewing Mealmates this afternoon, which is by Magic Dweedu. Mealmates won the Excellence in Audio Award at Freeplay, which is what drew our attention to it. And then... The description says you have 44 party games, which you can have a combination of co-op and competitive. And then the trailer. Dan, did you watch the trailer? Uh, I didn't. I was uh, busy this week. When you get home, you've got to watch it because it is just totally surreal and weird. Yeah. And it's all live action. So it's kind of like a short film, actually, because it goes for about five five minutes. Um and it's amazing. Frankie, you didn't get to watch the trailer yet, did you? No. Yeah, so there was a little bit of like, no one knows what to expect except me. But then even then, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so it took us a little while to get multiplayer working on the PC. Um, but what we ended up doing was having a keyboard and controller. And then it could tell the difference, I think. Um, but Which was good. It was fun to be able to use both. Um, and we actually listened to the soundtrack before we played the game because it had won the audio award and also I was looking for music for, for the show. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that was banging. Yeah. It's an awesome. Yeah. It's an awesome soundtrack. I've, yeah, I've listened to a few tracks and it is uh, tip top. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can see why it won the award. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the soundtrack's like quite kind of aggressive synth music um, with some really kind of interesting like polyrhythms and things I suppose like it's not 
it's almost never quite four on the floor kind of deal. Mm. Um, it's really interesting, but you would see it at a rave, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a... Uh... It just it just bops like it does give a hint to the attitude of the game, which is kind of sarcastic, quite dry, um, and you know the pacing of the game is quite rapid fire. So uh, what happens is you can choose between story or party, and because we were doing multiplayer, I was like, well, I'll, I'll just go party, mm. and um, you start playing a whole heap of mini games, which. Frankie, how long were the mini games roundabout? Roughly 30 seconds to two minutes, maybe longer if you were better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't do super well, did we? No. (laughs) Um, Were you you competing or uh, co-op? Competing. Competing? Yeah, Yeah. most of it was competing and some of them... So there was like one game where you had to like assemble a face. Okay. And that one was co-op. Like a Mr. Potato Head kind of deal? Yeah, or like a... um, I don't know if you've played the like Mario Party games where you have to like squash a face into the right shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that one. A little bit bit like that. Yeah, actually more Potato Head. Um. The controls are pretty simple, so really we didn't have that much excuse to be so bad at the games. Um, but So each game is usually either arrow keys or joystick and then just one interact button. Um, but, yeah, that, that didn't allow us to be any better at the games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was, there, was there any frustration factor? Because, you know, when you play Mario Party, yeah. um, for example, there can be a little bit of frustration with the... Um, the handling of the control. Some some of it by design, some of it possibly unintentional. I mean, some of the controls... So at the start of each game, you can read the instructions and they're about like a sentence long. Um, and they're mostly pretty clear if you like read them properly. Yeah. <laughs> but also like... With the rapid-fire attitude of the games where it's like, okay, 30 seconds, everyone like yells and screams at each other and then the next game, yeah. um, you kind of end up not really wanting to read the instructions. Like we started reading them at the start and then it was like, no, let's just go to the next one and see if we if we can wing it. Yeah. Um, Best way to learn. Learn on the job. Yeah. yeah. Or if we did a game where we really actually didn't understand what was happening and... Mostly the gameplay of those was like, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, 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 I'm dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like enjoyable also. Then the next time that game come up, we would read the instructions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What, what were some of your favorite games, Frankie? Uh, one of them was The Haunting, is where you have to avoid the ghost which presents to bash your head. (laughs) (laughs) It gets bigger and bigger with a more and more dramatic face and it gets regular and faster. I could not stop screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that one was pretty funny. The first time we watched it, I died straight away. I, like, walked into the wrong spiky thing or or something. Yeah. Um, And then that... Oh, no, I walked straight into the ghost because, I, I don't know, I thought I had to collect it. Um, yeah. And then at that point, it, like, went from a smiley face to a screaming face. 
And then it started, like, yeah, wriggling around and, like, chasing Frankie's character. <laughs> yeah, was... right. Sounds like a fever dream or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually. Yeah. That's a really good way of describing these games altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not... So it's not just the party vibe. There is some kind of longevity to this game. And when I was reading the Steam reviews... Mm. Um, you know, people going like, oh, wow, this game is so, like, surrealist. There's so much depth to it. And I was like, what? <laughs> no. Just a bit of dumb fun. Yeah. but And, you know, like, hilarious fun. I can imagine, like, you know, with more people would be even more funny. Um, but you can – so um, you can also dress up your characters – which Frankie and I found eventually. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they can have like singlets and tops and funny faces, or they. I had mine totally nude, so I could see it. It's a cute little butt. <laughs> little, yeah, cute butts. Um, and unlock clothes. We unlocked clothes accidentally by buying enough ingredients, which you sell to a <laughs> which you sell to a witch. Um, of course, as yeah. you do. <laughs> Um, who has a cauldron and then there's like recipes which we didn't manage to figure out recipes or how to actually give the ingredients to the witch but she was great still yeah and the ingredients were hilarious they were like socks and what was the one that you kept trying to go for Frankie? Uh, some dancing banana yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a suit or is that an emoji or something that you play? It's like your character just becomes a dancing banana. No, it's an ingredient oh. to put into the cauldron. Yeah, right. Okay. Obviously, Dan. <laughs> oh, obviously, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> we had a lot of fun. I don't know if we quite got to all 44 <clears throat> games. Like some of them repeated and we played for maybe... An hour and a half, two yeah. hours. So that's a good uh, like co-op gaming session. I feel like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and yeah, we didn't even end up touching the story mode. Yeah. But I think yeah, if if you're a single player, you probably would. Or maybe there's some co-op there too. But um, yeah, the party game vibe is what we went for. What's the uh, what's the art style like? Because it mm. it sounds very non-traditional. I'm guessing it's going to be a little bit off the wall. So it's very cartoony um, all and everything is, there's only three colours. So there's white, black and red. Everything's got a black background and then it's white and red, which... Like know, a monochrome kind of deal. Yeah, so yeah. it helps it keep very cohesive. Um, but yeah, everything's quite cartoony, I suppose. Yeah. And like minimal animation, like things wiggle, you know, but they don't really like change that much um yeah <laughs> so yeah that was pretty fun um and then the sounds are mostly made with synth um but even like so one of the games there's a fire hydrant and you have to avoid the water for long enough basically um and even the water sound is made with a synth and then there's some mouth sounds so one of the games is very much like that goats in the doors problem like you open a door and there's a goat behind it oh uh, yeah you know that maths problem yeah, yeah 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 so you have your two players and then there's five doors and you have to go through doors 
until eventually one of you gets like eaten and then the other person keeps going through doors until they're not until they live. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but when when you jump through a door, like it's just darkness behind it. So you hear this little like hey <laughs> sound <laughs> which is really fun during all of the synths to have these like yeah, every now and then a, a funny real sound. Yeah. Um yeah. So it's like this game has a sense of humour, obviously, oh, with a yeah. witch's cauldron that's, you know, and a dancing banana as an ingredient and stuff like that. Totally. Everything is meant to be just quite funny. Um, and, yeah, I guess, like, surreal is is totally the word for it. Um, yeah. And it just, I think it does a really good job of tone setting. Like, when you look at the game, when you hear the game, it's like, ah. Oh, this is what it's going to be like to play it, you know. It's going yeah. to be relatively hectic and funny and not really going to know what's going on, but that will be fine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's not very, like, punishing in a frustrating way. It's a, like, oh, I died straight away, so I'll, now I'll just watch the next person, like, struggle and die too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I imagine that just because the games are so short that it's – doesn't feel like a chore to sit through it if, no, if you do die straight away. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. And some of the games are like traps. So like there's a game where you just have to choose the right side of this saw that comes at you to like kill you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the first choice is like left or right, which way is it going to go? <laughs> you yeah. choose one of them and that's one of those games where you're just like, Oh, it's just a coin flip. I can't. Yeah, I yeah. can't do anything here. I'm just gonna watch this little this little dude with with his little butt. Yeah, like <laughs> get chewed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so well deserved audio award. Um, really awesome humor, which is what we get from free play awards with that sort of Australian Asia Pacific dry humor. Yeah. Um, you can buy the game on Steam or Itch. Um, so Steam, there's a summer sale on the moment, so it's 12 bucks. but on Itch we know that devs get a lot more of the money. Yeah. But totally understand if you want to go for the cheaper, so it's 15 on Itch. And then, of course, there's um, Bandcamp as well. Yeah, check out their, their album. Their album. Um... This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. Ian McClarty is a video game developer living in Melbourne uh, with an interest in small scope experimental designs. Uh, they regularly release non-commercial small projects, but have also self-published several award-winning commercial games. Uh, they have a background in computer science, and often they use self-made tools and generative techniques. Um, many of Ian's games are open source, and uh, yeah, that's um, we're going to be talking about uh, first, Ma- first Mars Logistics. Ian, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, thanks for having me. No problem at all. Um, can you please just give us a rundown of First Mars Logistics? Um, Mars First Logistics. Mars First um, Logistics, sorry. <laughs> um, so it's, um, it's a game in which you, you 
build and control these little machines made out of Lego-like components and transport cargo over Mars. Right, and it's it sort of has like a um, a Kerbal Space Program uh, feel to it, or like a it's a like a building blocks. It's like almost uh, Mars Rover Lego. Is that? Yeah, it's very engineering kind of feeling game. I think that the 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 Lego that you get to play with is more like Technic Lego if you've played with that. So yeah. there's little yes. servo motors and hydraulic cylinders, and you can. You can actuate them and assign different keys to actuate them and build quite complicated machines. Um, um, so how far along in the game development process are you for um, for Mars First? Um, fair, uh, fair, fair way along. I still have, uh, still a way to go, but um, but the kind of the basic the the main gameplay is there, and I know that it's. It's you know fun to play as it is. Um, there's still a lot I want to do to it, but um, I'm pretty happy with the kind of the I guess the core gameplay. You would say. When I first saw the trailer on your on your Twitter, and I was hype as there was <laughs> so many different looking robots, and that's where I was like, oh, it's like sports. Like <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna make whatever the hell I want, and you know, and I'm. And I commented, I'm going to make the noisiest, most le- least functional robot I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of these robots, they're like cylinders with like a motor in the middle. Some of them look like those those wooden things that you see on, on the beach that can go forward just through air. Some yep. of them look like they should not be able to fly, but then they do. Like, I imagine that you tried to come up with as many different like possibilities so that people could see things. But how do you design something for someone else to design in? Well, uh, yeah, good question. So I think, um, I think that's actually one of the things I really enjoyed about, um, this game is it's, it's much more of a kind of sandbox game than a lot of games I've worked on before, which are, sort of you design a level and, you know, it's either a puzzle or an action level or something, but it has a very specific purpose and um, there's a there's one way to kind of solve it and, and then that's it and you move on to the next design. And it's very focused kind of design, whereas this is much more sort of open-ended and you're kind of just giving the player a bunch of toys to play with and you, you're giving them some, some, some things to aim for, like there's, you know, there's very shaped, awkwardly shaped... Um, uh, packages you've got to deliver, like there might be a long cylinder or a, a twisty pipe or a, a dense matter sample, which is really small but really heavy. Mm. Um, there's one in there, um, and an anti-gravity device. So that's it's a thing that doesn't it doesn't isn't affected by gravity. It doesn't have any inertia, so it's kind of really awkward to move around. <laughs> um, and so th- those are the things to direct you. Is like, well, you're probably going to have to build something to be able to trans something different to be able to transport that. But there isn't like a specific thing you have to build to, to kind of, you know, deliver that thing. It's, it's very open-ended, which I, I quite like. And it's really fun to kind of make that kind of game because it's, it's um, you know, the way I've been designing is I just sort of think of these things to make and then I just play with them and see if they feel interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you talk about some of your other games, like, 
you know, they can be very, you know, this, like, Dissembler, for example, is like, this is a puzzle game, it's tile-based, it's very, this is exactly what it is. Um, and yeah. then you have that um, jumping through the... Jump grid? Yes, jump yes. grid also. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, to me it looks like they are all very contrasting. Like, what are the links between your games and... How did you come to this one? Um, so I've been I've been experimenting quite a bit with um, generative landscapes and just kind of being interested in landscapes and video games in general a bit. Um, 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 a lot of that is sort of influenced by playing games like. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, mm. um, did a lot of exploring and just like something kind of really attract, like kind of vast, like lonely kind of landscapes is something really appealing about sort of just going off into them and and exploring. Um, so I'd made another game called Red Desert Render, which was almost like a kind of based on some of mine and some friends' experience exploring um, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, in particular, going actually out of bounds, out of the map, out of the main map, mm. and um, and that was sort of like just I wanted to sort of capture that feeling, but um, I can't, the sort of tech that I made for the to the landscapes, I kind of I wanted to develop it further, so I've kind of and I wanted to sort of think of like more interesting ways to kind of use the landscape in a game to sort of have it be like an uh, like a like an adversary almost, so. I thought, you know, why not just make it try and drive these really awkward vehicles over it to deliver things? It seems like an interesting interesting idea to pursue. <laughs> that's like that. I never would have considered that like as being the main motivation, but that's like a really fascinating way to look at um, like the a game world. Um, so in the game where, you, where you've got to traverse these landscapes and you're putting together, um, you know, different wheels and motors and stuff, do, like do you see people... Um, like making stuff that you wouldn't have thought of, and like finding oh, yeah. solutions to things. It, right? It's just like it's it's a bit more. It's like you can play it like just you just deliver the stuff. You know, you earn your credits, and you and you you know you upgrade and you get more things, and you, and you kind of you can play it like that, like a kind of a job game. But then you can also just, um, uh, well, I guess once you've earned like enough credits, you can like kind of build pretty much what you want. So. Um, so you can just sort of treat it as more of a creative sandbox as well. So, um, yeah, I totally expect people to make interesting things, which I think is like, I think one of the joys of making a game like this is you kind of, you know, seeing what other creative things people can do. Do you think about the different kinds of players, like players who might try and like min-max a design, you know? And, you know, I think of um, Robot Wars, the... TV show, but also there used to be a game on Miniclip that I used to play a lot. Um, and at the start, there wasn't, it wasn't obvious that there was like three kinds of robots. You know, there was the one with a, with the flippy robot and there was one with like a really, really fast spinny thing on the front, you know, and then you, you barely get kind of very original robots on Robot Wars anymore. I'm just complaining yeah. about a, a different <laughs> TV show now. Um, like... So do you think about Yeah, for sure. I mean that's, yeah. that's part of the design. Like you want to kind of you want you want to make it so that you um 
there's not just sort of one vehicle design that will work for everything, right? So mm. kind of throwing interesting things into the mix to keep it interesting, um, you know, for people who want to want to be challenged in that way, right? Um, yeah, so yeah, I, guess I, I think can... that, yeah, it's, uh, I definitely, I definitely think about that. Yep. You do that through like the different packages. You're like, no, you can't shunt, can't yeah. deliver this package. Yeah, and the package. landscape itself as well. You know, like, that's right. Um, it's more rocky and more treacherous. And, yeah. yeah, and also other things that I want to add as well. So. Yeah, right. Um, I just have uh, one game. That's uh, one question. that's a little bit off topic. Um, mm-hmm. So you got a lot of uh, interesting games. One of them, which I played, was Milk Run at the uh, ill-fated uh, Bar SK, um, mm-hmm. but. I played it for uh, several hours with some friends while we drank beers. Several hours. <laughs> well, we would we just sat at the booth and would, you know, sporadically press the button and like try and um, catch the cow. So for those listening, it was just a, you're a farmer chasing a cow th- uh, over some hills and far away. Um, is it possible to catch the cow? I just want to know that it was. <laughs> we had a huge discussion on that, which I assume is like the whole point of the design. Think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't think so? I, I've never seen anyone catch it, so I don't think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so dissatisfying. That's like, that's like the spinning top at the end of um, Inception. It's like, oh, is it? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll stay on the hook for that one. If I ever see it again, I'll, I'll, I'll try and catch that cow. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point, right? So you make all of these games that aren't commercial and are more experiments. Like yeah. how do you choose which is commercial, which is going to be an experiment, and, like, what's the well, point Well, I mean, this, one, making... this one started off as an yeah. experiment, okay. definitely, because definitely, I mean, with the, you know, it's very, it's very physics-based. Mm. And, like, you know, I didn't really know if it would even, like, be playable, just, like, you know, making – because you can – the way you pick up things is you actually make, make it a little claw. You know, you put a, a motor and you put two bits together and then you actuate the motor to, to clamp onto something. So it's very, very – it relies a lot on the physics engine, um, and yeah, I had no idea whether it would be feasible really, but it, um, but it turned out to actually work really well, um, you know, with a lot of tweaking. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of, I don't know, you just like, you you can kind of sort of sense, I guess, that like, oh, this has probably got some legs. Like, I think, you know, I think probably a lot of people would like this. So I'm gonna maybe make it into something bigger, you know. Yeah. I think if it's something I want to spend a lot of time on, then then I probably would think about, you know, like um, I'd probably want that to be commercially viable in some way because, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, just one more question from me. Um, uh, feel free to answer it any way you want. It's fairly difficult, possibly the most difficult question. Uh, what's <laughs> What's your favourite video game? Oh. I just played a really good game right now. It's called, I, I, well, it's my favorite. My favorite right now because I just played it and it was really good. Yeah, it, it, interpret it any way, any way you'd yeah. like. Like I just played a game called Oh No, My Dog Is About to Swallow a Piece of Chocolate <laughs> in Papyrus. And it was really good. And I didn't know what to do for like, I was just playing it. Someone tweeted it and I was just playing it while I was waiting, while I was listening to the rest of the show. And, um, and yeah, I, I didn't know what to do for like, the first five minutes, but then I figured it out, and it was, it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really funny. Awesome. <laughs> it's uh, 
that seems it's very... Called, it was called... It was called, oh, no, my dog is about to swallow a piece of chocolate. <laughs> That's also, great. I assume but, people can look uh, that I, up I, on I, I like a lot of, like... I mean, I've been playing a lot of Rocket League as well. Like, it's not one I like Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of physics games. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, amazing. How can people keep in touch with all of the... Well, you're very prolific. You make a lot of things. But then also... Um, keep in touch with your new game um so there's a couple ways so i've got a website and it's ianmclarty.com and that's m-a-c in mclarty um and there's a mailing list on there you can subscribe to if you want and then you can also follow me on twitter that's at ianmclarty awesome uh and we'll be keeping an eye out for mars first mars Mars First Logistics. Oh, I'm stumbling all over my words tonight. Um, thank you so much, Ian. It's a bit for... of a mouthful. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Thanks. Welcome back to Bite Into It. You're on 3 Triple R with Maze, Dan and special guest Frankie. And I was having some trouble finding songs for this evening. I was like, oh, man, I don't actually know. I haven't kept up to up to date with what indie game soundtracks have been released recently. Um, but luckily on Bandcamp, every yeah. two months there is a write-up of some of the best game soundtracks really? that have come out on Bandcamp. Yeah. I'm going to have to get a hold of that because, um, yeah, I always struggle to find, like, um, video game soundtracks. But, like, when you find one that's real good, it's, like, oh, so the best. Good. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah you, do, you do pick a lot of good, a lot of good tracks, so... Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this time I was like, all right, I'm gonna gonna read this article and I'm gonna get through. And yeah, this game came up, and it's the the actual game itself is this 3D runner, um, and there's a lot of like jazzy hip hop, very black, you know, kind of music. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, hell's yeah. Have to have to have a look if there's yeah. anything like the soundtrack. Um, I'm probably going to enjoy it. I pressed buy straight away. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, the game the game looks awesome. But, yeah. you know, us, <laughs> we go soundtrack first. Um, anyway, mm. some opportunities and events. Yes. Um, so, GCAP uh, 21, raising the bar. So, GCAP being the Game Connection Asia Pacific, um, has speak applications open until the end of the leak. Open to the end of the week. If you have something cool to talk about, go to gcap.com.au. And I literally just found this out. So uh, maybe not this year, but next year I'll have to um, think of something to talk about and just uh, plug something in for the games industry that I could talk about. I don't know what I would talk about. Maybe that's why I'm going to have to think about it. But yeah, if, you, if you've got something to talk about video games um, and the video game industry, uh, submit your application to Game Connection Asia Pacific, gcap.com.au. Yeah, there tends to be a lot of different streams. Like, um, not every year is there an audio stream, but some years. Mm. Um, and then there'll be like business, visual art, programming, you know, all of these different kinds of things, marketing. You, you would have had a couple of uh, panels and stuff at GCAP? Yeah, I have. Mm. Um, last, oh, no, the year before last year when we were still in person, um, I talked with my colleague Jason Backer about running a video game studio as a co-op instead yes. of a company. Yeah. So a little bit of anti-capitalism at the big, <laughs> big 
fancy business conference, so and, I was pretty happy about that. And nothing goes with art like anti-capitalism, so... Yes. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, you don't have to have an anti-capitalist co-op, but, you know, they lend themselves well. Um, another event uh, for this week, actually, so PAX East Online starts from the 12th. Um, they announced a few months ago that they're going to be online again this year. Um it was looking like for a little bit that they would try in person, but PAX East is based, I think it's Boston. Yeah. Um, so they're still going to go for online. Yay for us. Um, so last year, PAX East, they actually went 24 hours a day with four different streams on Twitch. Which is crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of content. <laughs> Um, so I'm not sure if it'll be 24 hours this time, but, it, and it will be three days this time. So from the 12th to the 15th, um, they'll still have four streams going simultaneously on Twitch. I think they might have a discord as well. Yeah. Um, and there'll be lots of games, demos and, and panels and all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love seeing those big things on Twitch these days. Like, not that I particularly care about the NBL, but the NBL streams on Twitch, like the oh, National yeah, Basketball that's League. Cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting seeing like other things streaming on Twitch. Um, uh, but yeah, something like PAX, you know, perfectly suited for it. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Is there is there any games that I should keep an eye on? Do you think? I don't know. Like. So, PAX East is American-based, so it's usually mostly American studios. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I don't know. And they'll have a lot of um, of the AAA studios, so there'll still be a Sony showcase. And I wonder if we'll see be... an Assassin's Creed. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> they might have a virtual booth. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, something to have on in the background while you work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so thank you so much to tonight's guest, Ian McClarty. Um, thanks, Maze, and thanks, Frankie, for your review. Uh, I'm looking forward to giving Mealmates a go. Recommend, Frankie? Yes. Nice. Um, thanks to Elizabeth McCarthy. Uh, we've been bite into it with our uh, monthly video game episode. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.